And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson, ready to talk about part, what is it, part seven? Are we on part seven of our 52-part series, Matt? I want, yeah, seven. I can't believe it already. Is it seven? Yeah. Man, I'm going to have to, I'm going to end up having to take my shoe off soon to count how high we are on these episode lists. But, you know, so I'm glad to be back and talking about this stuff with you. And I love this series that we've been working on. And we're, we're in it much like a great idea for a startup. We are evolving in the series and moving down the line to try to figure out the things that we need and want to start a tech company. And we're both big advocates of the co-founder. Absolutely. Are, you're my co-founder. Yep. Yep. Of am the, I your, uh, and, 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 and I am your co-founder. I am your other Matt. Yeah. I always tell people that you're always the other Matt to me. So <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. And I, and by the way, I noticed on startup hustle TV, you were, you mentioned the other Matt said, don't start your own TV show. And then you said, Oh, but this does this is going really well. This can't be that hard. <laughs> I, I know as the co-founder of startup hustle as well, that, that the road to startup hustle TV has been brutal for you. And thank you for all of it. Um, I'm messing with you there. So co-founders dude. And you know, we're going to talk all about that. I, we're both big advocates of it. I wasn't always, but before we start, I want to let you know that this episode of Startup Puzzle is brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank. SVB has been supporting innovative founders, companies, and investors with targeted financial services and expertise for over 35 years, Matt. Three, five years. Silicon Valley Bank is built for what's next. Learn more at svb.com. Link in the description. Matt, talk to me about co-founders. What do you know? Well, I think as... Uh... First-time entrepreneurs, um, I think you almost have to have a co-founder. You know, when you're when you uh, if you've never ran a startup before, never never been an entrepreneur before, co-founders uh, probably pretty important. So um, you need to find somebody as crazy as you are to go on this adventure. <laughs> so yeah, I think we need to talk first before we get too far into like what is a co-founder and a co-founder. I mean, it has a lot. Uh, well, Matt, how do you define a co-founder? Well, so it's usually somebody who was there when the company started, when the idea started, right? Um, I mean, in some ways, you you could say, oh, well, somebody's a co-founder, or are they a partner, or a shareholder, or whatever. Like, kind of all, kind of all similar in a lot of ways, right? But. Usually somebody's the founder if, if they were there at the very beginning and it was partly their idea, I guess I would say. So does it, does it mean that you have to own part of the company? Um, I would think so. I feel like that's implied, but I feel like you could still be referred to on some level as like being on the founding team. Sure. Yep. 
Is that fair? So you could be on yeah, the founding so. team, but you might, but I think when you get in the ER of founder, founding and founder can be a little different. To me, a co-founder is, is, is a business partner yep. in, in some regards. It's someone that is there in the trenches with you early. Um, there's a big difference between an investor and a co-founder. An investor writes a check and gives some advice and doesn't always do a whole lot, sometimes more, sometimes less. Like, so let's talk about us as co-founders. You're the co-founder of Full Scale with me. And in the beginning, we did this, we traveled around the world together. We uh, used our expertise, our businesses, our connections and everything to work together, highlight each other's skills, strengthen each other's weaknesses and try to build something that mattered, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the other thing to point out there is we don't all have to contribute the same to the business either, right? Like you work full time for the business. I don't really work for the business at all anymore. You know, in the past, I've worked, you know, more or less at different times. And there are a lot of early stage companies that happens where, you know, one of the founders has a full time job, another one doesn't, and they, you know, bring different things to the table. And, and that's where <laughs> people end up owning different equity and stuff, too. So um, just because you sure. have co-founders doesn't mean you all have to be like 50-50 owners in it either. It could be, um, well, you you had another co-founder with Gigabook, right? Yeah, and, and now, well, a couple. And those, it, okay, yes and no. So I technically started Gigabook with, within another business that I owned. We were using the resources and the capacity of that business to create what we created. Now, when we turned it, it at, and at that point, it still wasn't its own business. It was, okay. and we've talked about that in some of the uh, ser episodes in this series is a lot of great startups start, they're birthed within other businesses yep. for a number of different reasons. I didn't mm -hmm. have to raise capital. I didn't even have to do anything with it. I built Gigabook because in the business that it was birthed out of, it was really seasonal. Like you worked yep. in the events business and you know, like you think summer would be busy in the ticketing business, but no, because the tickets went on sale in February. That's when the most demand was. So we'd have these big lulls. I wanted to keep people busy. thought there was an opportunity to do it. Now, when we turned it into another business, yes, I technically had co-founders like Daryl, Daryl Blackburn, the COO of Full Scale was one of the co-founders and he, and you know, Daryl's an operations guy, does sales stuff and things like that with us. And then I had a technical co-founder guy named John Berman, who mm -hmm. was, who, who worked full time. So he was like a hybrid. He was, I, I call him a co-founder because he had such an impact on the, the way that we shaped the business going forward. Mm -hmm. He basically was like, Hey Matt, look, from what you're telling me you want to do and what you're doing, they're very different. And if you want to get here, you need, you're going to need to make some changes in this changes in that. Like, I'm not going to get too far into the weeds, but he said, what you have here is not scalable. Well, and, and I, I think, yeah, I think my point is, you know, th these were individuals that kind of came out a little bit later and they weren't, you know, they didn't own the same amount of stock as you did. You know, everybody mm -hmm. was at a different place and brought different things to the table and some were part-time, some were full-time and, and that's okay. I think that's my point, right? It's like yep, yep, how these things yep. come together is always a little, a little different. Yeah. And the, and this, and the timing of it can be different. And, you know, now we mentioned earlier that, that, well, I wasn't always a co-founder kind of person. I, I didn't have a great experience in the first business I owned where I had a business partner. And I ended up buying him out and that kind of, I was kind of salty about that, to be honest. I didn't feel like I needed everyone else. And on some levels, well, I don't know. I, 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 
I mean, and take this how you may, I, I'm hard to keep up with because when I'm really on to something, I really go, go, go. And that can be frustrating for me. And I think that that's one of the things when it comes to co-founders, a lot of people run into is, oh, why isn't this person contributing the way that I am or the way that I want them to? And there's a lot of things that can go wrong with that. Now, you know, we mentioned this episode being brought to us by Silicon Valley Bank. They actually have an article on their site, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well, that says picking the right business partner takes, it takes work more than luck. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, and that's the thing. So, I mean, as we get into the right and the wrong ways to do that, as long as, as well as giving some input and advice that our group at the Startup Hustle chat on Facebook contributed, I mean, do you have any co-founder overarching co-founder stories or advice? Um, what was it? One of our, uh, guests on the show said that the only kind of ship that doesn't float is a partnership. <laughs> I can't remember who it is, but yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Any kind of partners, co-founders is always tricky. It's always hard. I mean, that's, I I've had a mixed success, mixed, mixed success myself. So, you know, you just never know, but. Right. And the you know, one thing as we get into this, I do want to say that whenever you have a business partner, like you really do want to choose that wisely and go slow and figure it out and make sure it's the right person. Cause getting rid of your business partner is harder than getting rid of your, your, your spouse. Like you can yeah. literally get rid of your husband, your wife, your partner faster than you can a business partner. And, yeah. and you need to think about that because they can, it can have a big impact and in, in doing stuff. So, all right the right way to find co-founders. Our, our, our research team has our co-founders on this episode that, that put some notes together for us to, to look at, mentioning preparing our idea. Yeah, how do you get someone? Yeah, you can't, you're not gonna find a co-founder, some of the founder that wants to buy into what you're doing if you can't even define or explain what it is you do. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta have a good story. You gotta know the business problem you're trying to solve. And, um, you know, this was, this happened kind of with Stackify, you know, I, I had the idea and I was the founder, but even with my first couple employees, which they weren't co-founders, but they were, you know, as you would say, basically part of the founding team. And it came down to them relating to the problem. They're like, Hey, I totally understand the problem you want, you're trying to solve. And I really want to be part of this. And a lot of times when you're looking for a co-founder, that's, that's what you got to do. You got to find somebody who is interested in the same problem that you're trying to solve. Hopefully they bring some skills that are, that are needed experience, networking, <clears throat> connections, whatever industry experience that will help solve it. But yeah, you got to have the idea and, and you got to sell yourself. And a lot of times if it's somebody that's going to be your co-founder, you may be having to talk them out of some high paying job somewhere to come on this crazy adventure with you. Yeah, and what you were mentioning there was having an understanding of the skills and that you need, and that's where that, that's where some co-founder relationships become imbalanced. Because I'll give you an example for those listening at full scale. So I'm a non-technical founder. Matt's a technical founder. We've both been successful at doing a lot of different stuff, and we both have different passions, skills, and and abilities, and. That becomes, that is, I have a much greater respect for that after being your co-founder at Full Scale, Matt, because, I mean, I, I there was a lot of stuff I didn't have to do. I didn't have to learn how to do. And I had someone there to ask that had, had the answer for it. 
And, you know, some of the other things like I, and honestly, I think we both know this. There's some things that I excel at that aren't really, that you don't necessarily like doing or aren't, it's not your superpower. Yep. And I, I think that's the key is finding somebody who can be your, you know, Robin to your Batman or whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm Batman. I'm Jordan, Batman. You're Jordan Robin. and Pippin, wait, whatever wait. your uh, analogy is here. But the key is you got to find somebody. You're, you're, you're closer to Bruce Wayne than I am. So uh, I guess I'm Robin. I'm, you gotta, or maybe I'm Alfred. <laughs> you got to find Sorry. somebody. And the key is you got to be able to trust them, right? You got to be like, hey, I'm going to give you ownership of this part of the business and I trust you to make it work. And so I can go focus on this other part of the business. And that's that's really key is it's got to be somebody you can trust. And with that trust factor, and that is important, trust is, is I think trust is sometimes a misunderstood word because people often think of trust when it comes, oh, that person won't steal from me. It doesn't mean they're going to work hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really doesn't. I mean, that, that doesn't, that does not, those are not the same thing. So trust in a co-founder, well, yes, you want someone that's going to not steal from you. That's good. But you need to trust that people are going to, are going to do what they say they're going to do have a level of reliability and also I think consistency. Well, and you got to think about it like you're going to war, right? And like, it, it, do I trust this person to be standing next to me on the battle, on the battlefield? And are they going to be there or are they going to run and turn their tail and <laughs> run away in the middle of the battle? So yeah, it's, it's all about finding the right person you trust mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, if you're betting the farm on your startup and raising money and you got money from your rich uncle and all these things, you sure better trust your business partner that this all isn't going to go sideways. So like yeah, you said earlier, and, and, it's, yeah. it's more about the work and finding the right person, the right people on the team, not just anybody you can find. Now, there's some ways to lock some of that trust in, and that has to do with the way you set up the business you know, there's, there's this old saying that good fences make good neighbors. Um, and that, and I think that that is paramount when it comes to getting set up with a co-founder. Um, and when I, what I'm talking about is creating a well understood set of everything, like a good contract, a good, a good agreement that, uh, that outlines some expectations and includes what's going to happen if anyone, including you, doesn't deliver, changes their mind, or I mean, if things don't go well, good agreements have sunny and rainy day outlook in them. And that's and that's the best way to do it because we see this a lot. It, it the agreement either doesn't exist or it has no rainy day contingencies, and now it's a rainy day. And yep. it can it can ruin your business. Yeah, a great way to do this is vesting. <clears throat> even have the, the founders basically vesting. So it's like, Hey, you have to work here three years, five years or whatever to get your 50% ownership or whatever it is. But if you leave or, um, you know, you have to be fired for cause or whatever it is. Um, and it also keeps people hungry. Um, one of the companies I invested in wanted to do this just to guarantee their early founders and key employees were going to stay around, you know, I mean, once you sign the original, operating agreement and all that. And you're like, I own 50% of the company. There's nothing to keep somebody from just walking away. Right. And, and, and by the way, th these agreements also extend to situations that expand past that person's uh, participation in the company. So 
uh, I well, the marital joinder. Yep. Okay, so one. let's talk about let's talk about that for a second. So, and and I had actually participated in multiple businesses before I ever saw this. But a marital joinder is something. Okay, so if if you get if someone that owns shares in a company gets divorced, technically the people get that the, they may have to split those shares. You may end up being forced to be a partner or kind of a co-founder of sorts with someone's ex-wife or ex-husband or whatever. And a marital joinder describes how that can or could occur and gives options for the company, usually gives options to the company or the other founders to purchase or acquire that ownership in lieu of it be going to someone that it theoretically could even be hostile towards the company. Yep, absolutely. It's so protecting Google the it. rainy day scenarios. That's that's a rainy one for sure. Yeah. So, Matt, how do you find a co-founder? You know, I mean, that's I mean, that's the thing that we really that you know, yeah, we've set all this up. But where do I look? Like, what's the best place for like? How do I find them? But where are they? Is there an app for that? You can use Tinder. Is there actually an app for this? Because there might be. Like there, and kidding. if there isn't, will someone build it? Because it's a good idea. Um, I think I mean, it's called LinkedIn. <laughs> right. Well, man, I think the first thing is, like you said, just let let uh, ask on social media. Like join some groups. Uh, there's, I guarantee you, there's a group for startups or entrepreneurs in your well, region. How did we meet? through a Facebook group called KC Startups or Startup KC. Go. It's it's all about networking. You know, it, I, I joke about mm. Tinder because it's not really any different than if you're like, I want to find a guy or a girl. Where are they? <laughs> are they at the bars? Go to the bars. If they're on Tinder, go to Tinder. If they're at entrepreneurial events, startup events, the Startup Accelerator, Entrepreneurship Day at the ballpark, that's where you should be, wherever they are. That's where you need to be, right? And it's all about networking. It's, you know, finding people that know other people and networking, networking, networking. You never know. I mean, that's one of the things I always learn. Like you meet with people and you don't think you're necessarily going to get something out of it, but you never know. You never know who this person knows, who their neighbor is, who their long lost, you know, elementary school friend was. Like you just never know. I know one thing. You want to know what? What? If you don't ask, you're probably not going to get the answer. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and that's the, and the, that's the key thing, like take action, you know, do, it, it's opportunity doesn't come looking for people. People go looking for opportunity and, and, and that's the thing. So be open and vocal about the fact that you have opportunity or, or that you're seeking it. Yeah. And especially, especially if you're technical, I mean, when, man, if you are a tech person, like you can find someone that wants you as their co-founder, trust me. Well, and we all prove that uh, Kevin Bacon proved what we're all six or seven degrees away from Kevin Bacon, right? And yep. uh, with most entrepreneur stuff in your own city, you're probably two or three degrees away from almost everybody in your city. You just don't know it. And so you got to just I, ask around I, and hustle. Uh, I think one last thing we should throw in there is there's there's so many organizations, groups, 
I mean, programs that are built in cities and by profit, nonprofit, other entrepreneurs, like any of them that literally exist to incubate, start, or develop business entities in and around wherever you're at. The government wants you to start businesses. It's the biggest driver of employment we see. And they're, they're out there. And yep. those, these places exist to get you and someone else together potentially and sometimes help you find the resources or other mentors or whatever to get it done. Now, it, Matt, by the way, if you do find those funding resources, Silicon Valley Bank is a good place to park that cash. Um, they And I love what they do for founders because they think differently. They don't think like a typical bank. There's a link in the show notes, svb.com. There you go. I did it on air. All right. (laughs) I asked Matt before we recorded if I should announce svb.com in that way. And I think they'd love it. So if they did or didn't, it's too late at this point. How about the wrong way, man? Well, you know, one of them that's not even on our list here, I think we got to add to the list, could be um, just picking random family members to be a (laughs) co-founder. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's number one on the list of like, uh, okay, my wife's a co-founder for like no reason. We're going to be co-founders. Like working with I, family. I think pick, or picking the first choice, just picking the first choice because it's there. It's the same thing. Yeah. Family and business is, is never good. So be careful with that. I mean, it, it can work. Some people it works, but eh, may not be your first choice for a co-founder. <laughs> I worked with my wife every day for six years and we pulled it off and we did really well. And I would tell people that and like 95% of people would either say, I could never work with my husband or wife or how the hell do you do it? Or something like that. Like it was really an anomaly. Like it's, and, and, and so the reason that it's important to kind of, uh, not consider friends and family as they're probably not as passionate about it as you are. And if you value the relationship, and I actually like, this was one of the million dollar lessons in my book, million dollar bedroom was don't, don't make your family, your friends and partners. If you value that relationship, because if it doesn't go well at the business and you end up firing your best friend, it's probably not going to be your best friend anymore. And it's the same thing with family. So I mean, really, that's kind of a rule of thumb and people are going to, they do it all day, every day anyway, but some are going to work out, some don't. But if you value that relationship past the the business, that's a good reason to not look at it. So what what about situations where, I mean, we want to avoid uh, a gross imbalance in investment and resources. Well, absolutely. It's um, as you, as you mentioned earlier in your example of Gigabook, right? Like, you had somebody who was working part-time for the business and they were, you know, maybe they work five or 10 hours a week, right? Um, versus you're working 60 hours a week and maybe you brought a bunch of capital to the business or the customers or industry experience or whatever. Um, that's something else that you got to watch out for and bringing different, different things to the table and it can be way out of balance. And, and that can be fine, but that also comes down to how you split the equity or should somebody really be an employee and not really a founder? So if you're on the live stream, there are several people commenting, looking for co-founders on, on this episode. So there you go. And by the way, we were talking about uh, Pippin and Jordan. Uh, she said, I'm BJ Armstrong. 
which was the, the, the shorter point guard, but you, that team was not probably didn't win championships without him. So that happens. Uh, you know, the resource thing is, you know, that, that I see people give away equity in in batches that they, and it's stupid. Like they undervalue the equity, they overpay to bring someone in that isn't providing any other value other than the work that they're doing. And that same work could be very easily replaced. And this happens a lot with technical, right? Like, oh, my friend's a programmer. I gave him 40% of the company and he has a full-time job. So when you have people that I've learned this lesson the hard way, when someone has a job, when they're splitting time, they have a full-time job somewhere else especially if they have a wife or a husband and have kids, you are going to get very little of that person's attention because they're going to go to work all day. They're going to work. They're going to come home. They're going to be with their family, going to be with their wife. And then they're going to probably do at best about an hour of work at, at what I often refer to as the butthole of the day. Because <laughs> it's like 11 p.m. to midnight, you know, and it's just like and it, and it makes things move really slow. So I see situations where they've given someone like this 40 percent of the company for the replacement value of something like pretty minuscule at that point. You well, know? and it's like so, so yeah. what how you the, with the equity and the resources that come in, they should be commensurate to to the replacement cost. Like yeah. in that situation I just described, you could hire a developer at full scale for not a whole lot and have a full-time person plugging away. Instead, you gave away what could have been $400,000 worth of equity for one eighth of the effort. So I think there's a couple of couple things to think about there is you could say, look, you're doing $5,000 worth of work a month. So, you know, based on that, we're, you know, we'll say the company's worth half million dollars. And so we're going to come up with some percentage or whatever, like, you, you know, you have to figure out a way to do that. But the, the challenge is if you don't have any money, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you have money, you're like, Hey, yeah, I could go hire somebody. And I don't have to give up equity. Um, but there's a lot of companies that just never get off the ground for that reason. They don't have equity and or they don't have cash. And they don't have a co both. And a lot of times that's the only way they're ever going to succeed is to go find that technical co founder that can make it happen. And that's a great scenario a lot of times. I mean, think about the the Winklevosses and Zuckerberg, right? Like there are a lot of the a lot of Winklevosses running around the Winklevi that that need a coder, that need Mark Zuckerberg to get the business going. And if you can't afford to pay him, the only thing you can do is give him equity. Um, and that's that's just the reality of it. So, but you can figure out how to structure you don't it. You don't have you don't have to overpay. Yeah. Yep. You, you can give them less, you can do vesting, you can do different things. So, so the inexperienced often want to chop these things up based on how many people are involved. Yeah. Oh, there's three people. We should all have a third. I mean, should you? Yeah. Another I mean, really should you? Another big problem with co-founders is uh, not having the same business goals. And a good example of that is say we want to start, you know, whatever kind of software company. Is this going to be a lifestyle business? It's just going to be the two of us and we make, you know, 10 grand a month and we're happy and it's cool. Or do you like want to ring the bell on the, on, at wall street, right? Like you want to go public and IPO and do all this craziness where I'm like, nah, I just want to golf every day and make, you know, a few, a few grand. Those are totally different goals. And so you've got to have alignment on, 
you know, where this business is going. Are we going to raise capital? Is it going to be a lifestyle business? Is it going to be a big business? Those are important things to figure out. It's kind of like going on a date. It's like, are we going to get married? Are we just having dinner? What are we doing? <laughs> you got to figure these things out. I'm not going to, I'm not going to refer to your prior statements about tender on that one. Just so you know. So is that predefined? I don't even, I don't, I've never even been on the app. Anyway, you talk about having a great fit and I, and you're right, Matt, like sit down with your potential co-founders and like, it's pretty simple. What are your goals? Like, what do you want out of life? Like, what would, what do you want out of this business? What stage are you at? Right. Cause a lot of people, there's a, there's a, a saying that says a fat dog won't hunt. Right. And the, and the reason for that is, well, a, it might, it, cause it doesn't have any, it doesn't have any reason to. And this is something that, that happens is some people get a little tiny bit of success. So Matt, I used to be a sales manager for a re retail chain and I, I had, it was so predictable. I had so many salespeople that would have a great month and you could just count on the fact that they weren't going to sell shit the next month because they were complacent and happy. And, and once they hit like a minuscule amount of comfort, they kind of quit trying or they get, and money is a really weird thing. And some people, when they get it, it changes them dramatically. And their head is off in the clouds or, yeah. I mean, and I mean, a lot, a lot of crazy things can happen. And, you know, so here's your business partner and all of a sudden he's got a little bit of money now and he's on his boat every weekend and, or every day and you're not, or on the golf course or, you know, so vet, vet people and, and know what and where and how, and like, just talk it out. And I mean, that's yeah. really the next, then that leads right into this next item on our list is you can't have a lack of communication. Matt, how, okay. If we've been at business partners at full scale for 1000 days, how many of those days do you think you and I have had some degree of communication about full scale? It's gotta be at least half of them for sure. Dude, that's low. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's probably like 90%. I mean, the first almost two years of the company, we shared offices together. Yeah. We would see each other. There's things like, like messages on Slack or, mm -hmm. you know, any of that. And, and it's the communication and the understanding about what's needed. And when we're talking folks, like sometimes it's updates, sometimes it's like, Hey man, like I, I we keep seeing this problem. What are we going to do to fix it? Um, you know, like a lot of different stuff. And sometimes it's also important in that communication to celebrate wins. We've been having a great month at full scale. That's what we were talking about right before we hit record because we were communicating about that. It's important to celebrate the wins too. Absolutely. Or like, I mean, Matt, if I didn't communicate with you because we aren't in the same office and because of the pandemic, you might not even know we're winning. Do you yep. want to, you want to know when we're winning, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think without that, you're going to run into conflicts. Absolutely. The, um, Conflicts with business partners are always interesting. I we had one at Venn Solutions that was a big problem. Actually, a couple, but um, you know, some that just like, oh, okay, they're my business partner, not necessarily co-founder, but they're a business partner, and just the work that they're doing. I don't agree with the work they're doing, and I don't agree with the way they're managing the company, and like all that sort of stuff. Like, 
Oh my god. But but how do you avoid that conflict be- before you become co-founders? I mean, I think if you already have conflict before you're about to co-found something with someone, that's just dumb. Because what's going to change? Why is that going to get any better? I mean, in, in our in the instance related to to us being co-founders, I mean, we had a pretty well-written operating agreement. We understood that we had some experience. We know we had some bad experience too, but who's going to make decisions, how, where, why, all of that. What are the boundaries? Yeah. What are, you know, and whatever. And it doesn't mean we always, and that we don't always agree. No, but sometimes we don't. In some case, and, 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 and we're, and we are, you know what, let's talk about that for a second. Cause now I think one of the things that's made us great co-founders is you and I can bitch at each other about stuff we're not happy about. And we aren't, we aren't hurt about that past the end of the conversation. Like some of avoiding conflict is getting past it. Like you mentioned, this is a battle. This is a war and emotions come out sometimes and that's fine. So get past it and get back in, you know, and like, and and it's fine. It's healthy. Like that I, in some ways just defined a type of disruption. Friction starts fire. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and that's okay. So I don't want, I don't want the, to say avoiding conflict is, is a must because sometimes the best results come out of that, but you yeah. won't get any results if, if, it, and by the way, when we disagree on stuff, it's not us just being stupid at or to each other. It's about stuff that, that, that matters or is important. And we're just sometimes well, let's, let's refer to it more as a heated debate. Sure. I think another another thing to think about when you say avoiding conflict is um, when you first start the company as co-founders is just understanding what each other's responsibilities are, right? You mentioned that earlier, kind of about our operating agreement, but it's like, hey, I'm in charge of sales. You're in charge of development. Stay out of my lane and we'll be fine, right? Where, where if you had two people <clears throat> that think they're both the world's best salespeople and then they just fight all the time because they don't agree with each other's strategies or whatever, like you're just going to have a lot of conflict. So it's, you know, just trying to identify those things up front. So I want to share a a little bit of info from the startup hustle chat on Facebook, because we asked, I asked everyone in there and, you know, there's a couple thousand people in there, um, really great input. So I said, how did you meet your co-founder? And these were some of uh, the, the responses first off from Kyle Steppe, who is our fellow cast member, on Startup Hustle TV. If you haven't checked that out, go to YouTube and check out Startup Hustle TV. A blind date at a bar. Then they got married later and co-founders. Went to school together. Um, They were my client. Then we started a business together. I think that I could see that being common. Fiverr. Fiverr. That one's weird. probably, Probably ordered a small gig. Yeah. Did it again and then ordered a third one to say, hey, will you contact me? Yeah. Um, and then uh, this one, this last one on here is, I think, really common. We were colleagues at a corporate gig and went out on our own together. Absolutely. That's one of the best and, ones right and, there. And I bet and I bet that business, assuming that they were still doing it within the expertise that they had learned, probably did well. They'd, like, they'd already worked together. From my Vin Solutions days, there were, that happened at least three times. After after, Vin, after we sold Vin Solutions, there were at least three different groups that went and started other companies that had worked together at Vin Solutions. So, and that, yeah. that's where you talk about like 
you know, the tree grows and drops seeds and other things grow. Like that happens a lot with, with startups that come out of other things. And um, that's one of the best ways to find a co-founder is people you work with. And you are, you have likely already, and that's why I said they work together is, is strong because yep. that's what a new business says. It's, it's, it's a lot of work and yep. you know what you're getting. I think anytime you know what you're getting or you have a pretty good idea of it is, is a good, that's, that's a, that's a good, that's a, that's in the plus column. Um, you know, so, all right. So a few key takeaways here, you know, you don't have to find a co-founder. You don't have to. And when I started Stackify, I didn't want a, a co I didn't want partners. I didn't want a co-founder. And that's, I mean, that was the same way I was with a lot of different things. Now, sometimes co-founding and, you know, like it, 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 if done well and done right, it's really strong. Yeah. And looking back, it could have been the biggest mistake I ever made if I could have found somebody that knew the industry really well and, you know, was good at sales and, or something it might've, might've made a big difference. Never know. I think that Another key takeaway is, you know, be honest about what your weaknesses are, what you're not good at and try to fix it. Yep. You know, like um, if you have three co-founders and they're all good at the exact same thing, uh, then you're, well, you're guaranteed you're going to have to hire some people pretty quickly or add some people that do the stuff that you're terrible at, or you're going to have other people doing something that they're probably out of their depth on and are going to be spending a lot of time learning you're gonna have to learn a lot anyway, if you start a new business. But I mean, the, the I think one of the more mature qualities of advanced entrepreneurship is just owning what you're not good at. Matt, what are you yes. not good at? What are you not good at? My least favorite things have to do with operations and managing people and processes. And I don't not really care a lot about sales and marketing stuff. You know, I love being an engineer. So I love everything about engineer and product and they're all the rest of it. I'd kind of rather just like go hide in the basement somewhere and write code. Let somebody else. So that's, but that, so that's, it, it, that's what you should be doing. Yeah. Cause when you're doing anything other than that, inherently on some level, you are not happy. Yeah. And I'm not the best at it. Also true. I mean, just saying like in general, um, you know, like in the end, but by the way, I want to give another shout out. You should check out, the slicing pie, slicingpie.com. Uh -huh. uh, I have no, I have no vested interest in, and 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 that's Mike Moyer. He's been on the show. Go back and listen to that episode because that is the coolest app I've seen for making co-founding equitable for everybody. It literally helps you define input, output, value, and it basically vests in. And it's. Mm -hmm. It's really amazing that it's really cool. It's like, dude, it's like 20 bucks a month. It's just super, super easy to use. And I, I just think it's, I think it's great. So, you know, now as we, as we arrive at the end of this episode and we move to the founders freestyle, which once again, today's episode of startup hustle was brought to you by Silicon Valley bank SVB. Am I allowed to do that? But yeah, I think SVB has so, yeah. been, they've, I think they've you been supporting a couple more times, just a couple SVB. more times. I have to charge them more if I really get into it, you know, so no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, you know, SBB has been supporting innovative founders, companies, and investors. They give targeted financial services and expertise for over 35 years. By the way, reach out to them. Maybe they can help you find a co-founder. Yeah. I'm just saying it's everywhere. 
svb.com. And I think it's important <laughs> to note that you don't have to be in Silicon Valley to use Silicon Valley Bank. They service the yeah. whole country. Oh, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, for example, our contact there is in Denver. So, um, by the way, for unique blends, listening and commenting on the live chat, you mentioned that one of us looks like third base. Is that me? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it might be. And man, that is a rapper I haven't heard of since about 1992. So I think she's probably talking. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she'll let me know. So, all right. It, it, as worth it, what's the, what's the best advice that you can give? Uh, she confirmed I'm the, I do apparently look like third base. Google the guy. He's a rapper. Yeah. Hey, I'll take that as a compliment. You know, it's better than like a lot of other people I could probably look like. Okay. So Matt, what's the best advice you can give for finding a co-founder based on what we talked about today? Yeah. Or, I think uh, if, I think if you're a first time entrepreneur, um, I think having co-founders is probably really important. Um, it's much harder to do this if, if you've never done it before. Um, try and find a co-founder who's done it before, or at least you got two or three of you that are all in this adventure together that bring different skills, which is kind of what I had to go through the first time. We had no idea what we were doing, but at least there were multiple of us along the journey. Um, you know, if you've done this before, maybe you don't need a co-founder. Maybe you're like, hey, I don't want business partners. I've done this. I have the money. I can hire people. I'm going to hire the right people. You're in, you're in a different situation. But if you're really looking for a co-founder, the most important thing to do, I think, is just networking. Just you got to network. You know, if you're looking for a co-founder in a specific industry, you know, pull up LinkedIn and start messaging people that work in that industry. And maybe they aren't the right person. Maybe they know somebody, but you just got to got to hustle like everything else with startups. You got to keep hustling. Yeah. And you covered so much of what I wanted to say or would have said. So I'm not going to repeat all of it. I think ov overall, like have a plan, have a vision, write it down, announce your intentions and your opportunities and go out and start talking to people. I mean, I, or do it online, do it, with, talk to people. And look, the more noise you make, the more you're going to be heard, especially with this. There is a, there are a world, uh, there's a huge list of people that are looking for opportunity. They're looking for things to do. They want to be entrepreneurs. They want to participate in this kind of stuff. And if you're, it's, all right, so I'm often told, hey, you're an, you're, you're an ideas guy. You've got all these ideas. Okay, look, there's people that aren't the quote idea person but they've they're they want to be entrepreneurs ready to they go. are entrepreneurs and they've got tools and yeah. and experience and everything and they're waiting for you they got the to right have idea. that idea yeah and so like it's but if you don't ask you're not going to get it so Matt I'm going to go cuz I know that if you don't ask for the sale you usually don't make one I've been selling a ton of stuff this month so I'm going to ask you if it's okay if you end this episode so I can get back to selling, I'm going to let you sign off. Absolutely. I'm going to go put some more money in the SVB. <laughs> Later. See ya. <laughs> Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.